What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is a CW Spiral, a podcast run by two barchies and a bughead. We're your hosts, Sabrina Reed, Michael Patterson, and Reed Gowden. Bringing you history about the network, the latest news, and in-depth spoiler-filled discussions of some of our favorite shows on the CW. All right, so we're excited with this podcast because we are finally starting our journey into the Druniverse. I mean, technically we've already been in because we've been watching Tom Swift, but we have not started, we had, well, I guess that's not exactly true. Reed, you've seen some episodes. I've seen some episodes. I have seen some episodes. <laughs> <laughs> but we're on, on an actual journey, a, a journey, journey that we're committed to into the Druniverse. And I'm very excited. Um, but as always, we have to get to the CW news. And we are recording on the first day of Comic-Con. And CW does not have a presence. Ugh, what are we living in? What kind of era is this? Um CW has been such a presence at Comic-Con, more so than other TV networks because, because of their DC connection. But like that extends to their Archie Comics connection. And now here we are at no Riverdale panel either. Like, it feels like everything we knew about the CW has just fallen away. And I don't like it. I don't either. We're in a truly, like a truly, truly deep flop era. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, and we... I tweeted about it and people were just like, ha, 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 that's what gets the CW gets. And I was like, y'all, but I want them to thrive. I mean, if they did this to themselves, but we're called the CW Spiral. We want them to, you know, be present and have like make waves. And currently they're drowning and it's not fair to anybody who likes the network. I know. I don't like to see some fans kick her while she's down. Like, just ignore her. She's a mess right now. She'll get it together, hopefully. (laughs) But it is kind of dark. It's like once the Riverdale cast pulled out, I don't even know if it was the cast or once Riverdale pulled out of Comic-Con, it was like, oof. Um, Okay, so the writing is on the wall. I don't know what the writing is or what wall (laughs) it is, but um, it's there. (laughs) (laughs) It is, but they still have like the audacity to use CW promo, like the poster of The Flash and Superman and Lois. Like they're not going to be there. Tyler Hecklin will be for Teen Wolf, but he's not there for Superman. I know it feels like they're promoting their biggest comic book connections for Comic Con, like they did every year. But the exception is that this year there's going to be no panels. Those shows aren't going to have much of, if any, kind of presence. What's the point? It just it feels like flop era it just it feels like that's what we are in now and they're still trying to remind people of what they were and like which which one is it or like they could have made comic-con work if they'd wanted to but they clearly didn't this year so what's the next step like what 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 will we be this time next year more posters and no panels <laughs> i gotta hope not like that'd be terrible i mean i feel like they have to do a riverdale panel next year considering the fact that season seven is its last season though by the time we get there we may not be that excited since roberto has said they've changed the plan for um the ending again 
I can't even, but like, wait, hold on, rewind a little bit because does Comic-Con start at the same time every year, like July? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So this time next year, Riverdale could technically be over, right? Yeah. yeah unless they hold it to the summer, yeah. There's a strong oh, possibility. Don't manifest that. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of not manifesting things, let's go back into season seven. <laughs> I, I don't... Without even knowing what the plan was for season seven, I can't imagine that it was a good idea to change it. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we've gotten so far from what the original end game was. I can't imagine when the show was pitched in season one, they were like, we're going to do superpowers and alternate dimensions in season six. So I feel like the end game has already changed so many times. So it's frightening to think that it's changed again. Like what about season six made Roberto say, now I have a new idea. And like, do, do we want to see that new idea come to life? No, because (laughs) like, so they had the idea for Rivervale and then they wanted to challenge themselves to make Rivervale canon in Riverdale's canon. And like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, they managed in the way that long-winded fan fiction manages to do it (laughs) after you've been going for hundreds of thousands of words, but like, it's just, I really want what we had talked about on our live show a concrete season, one plot that everyone is involved in, tie it up nicely, send us on our, our way. Do not somehow make us um, have to sit through where Riverdale becomes comics. Like they literally, haha, Jughead's been writing a comic the entire time. <laughs> like I fear that that's what's going to be happening. And the road to that is going to be really, really messy. I also would like to request only 13 episodes. I've said this a lot. But I actually, I was actually doing the math. And if they do 13 episodes, it would be a nice even 130 episodes for the whole series. But if they do any less or any more, it would be an uneven number that would just not sit right with my soul. So <laughs> CW and Roberto, if you care about me, 13 episodes. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's so many reasons why 13 episodes could work. And like, there's one of them. But like, again, you have to go back to season one. It, it wasn't exactly a, a straightforward storyline, but they managed. it's the most straightforward Riverdale's been. And 13 episodes worked very nicely with it. And every season since has struggled dramatically, even the ones that were cut short. And that's just because there's too many episodes. So just re- bring, bring it back to basics and reduce it. Like less is more. It is. So I like light the candles, um, manifesting 13 episodes i know they already said they got the green light for 20 but mark go back and call roberto and tell him we're gonna drop it to 13 <laughs> i think that was like a, yeah you're gonna get 22 wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> not me not winking like liz gillies on dynasty <laughs> oh god oh my god just 13 please um but speaking of the comic space stuff, so I have been seeing over and over again this. It seems like a misunderstanding to me about whether or not Superman and Lois is in the Airverse, and I keep like being like, "It's in the Airverse, guys. It's just not on Earth Prime," and like that's okay. After my anger over like how they did it, which I still think is disrespectful, like I'm fine. It does give us more room to be creative i guess but i don't like people saying that it's not in the airverse it's airverse adjacent we'll just take it yeah this conversation could like make a whole episode now there is an idea but the (laughs) truth is 
literally, I think the reason this problem exists is because they never originally ever defined what the Arrowverse was. It all started on Earth 1 and that's fine. But when you had the likes of the Earth 2 villains like Black Siren and all show up, they were still considered Arrowverse, even though they came from another Earth. So why now that we're living in this post-crisis world where Stargirl is set on the new Earth 2 and Superman at Lois is set on whatever Earth it is, why are they not considered Arrowverse? just because they're separate shows. No, they're not set on Earth Prime, but they still exist inside this Arrowverse bubble, this multiverse we've known and loved over the years. So if I want to call them Arrowverse, I will continue to call them Arrowverse shows because that's what they are. Technically, they're adjacent to what's happening on Earth Prime, but they're still Arrowverse shows. And no amount of monologues from Sam Lane is going to change that. But I'm happy with how we're going and like keep it that way. They're, they'll always be Arrowverse in spirit, whether they're on the same Earth as the rest of them or not. Yeah, I mean, because it just seems like for some fans, you know, don't, don't like the latter seasons of the era shows, the distance for them allows them to sort of discredit what came before. Um, and when people do that, I was like, did we forget where we started? Because mm-hmm. like, you were loving it, too, until you weren't, which is fine. But we don't have to, like, pretend as if what came before wasn't good. Is it as good as it used to be? No. Um, but that's that's true for any show that's gone past like season four. Like, it's very hard for a, a series to be good after you've had a certain amount of episodes in the Arrowverse. You know, it struggled. And I want, I just want to get this off my soul real quick. I'm going to need the Superman and Lois fans to realize that if Superman and Lois goes past season four, you will be in a flop era too. It's coming for you. It comes for every show. <laughs> like So it's great right now, but just hold on to your seats. Yeah, it might be of a bigger, higher standard than some of the other shows this fourth season because the Arrow versus Cursed when it comes to season four outside of Supergirl, we have not had a decent fourth season. So, um, yeah, I feel like the same thing could happen to Superman. The trends are not working in its favor. So I feel like judge after season four and then we'll have that conversation. (laughs) Yes. It's hard to maintain the level of quality that sometimes you begin with just because of the pace of network television like they don't get the opportunity to like take four years to make a season of television like stranger things (laughs) (laughs) so like to expect every episode or season to be brilliance um a little bit unfair but like yeah there's some seasons that of any show that are kind of like maybe we could have thought a little harder (laughs) yeah or like you could tell um for some shows you had story for three seasons and then they told you they wanted to renew you and then you didn't know what to do next Mm -hmm. And we feel you. It's like, so we just get through the flop season to get to some greatness in the next one once you figure yourself out. Exactly. Which, figuring things out is not what Powerpuff is doing. Or maybe I nope. guess it is what they're doing since that they're in development. But like every time it comes up, they're just like, yeah, it's currently in development. It's like, y'all don't know what's happening, do you? They're not telling you anything. No, and I fear that no news is not good news in this case. It just doesn't seem like I know they're doing the animated reboot at Cartoon Network. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just want to make sure all of that information was correct. <laughs> but I don't know if that spells trouble or is a good sign for the CW's reboot. I don't, it just seems like it could be too much or it could be uh, something good to have another reboot at the same time. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm a positive person. I used to love this network. It renewed all the, all of the shows, but this whole inactive development arc, it, it reeks of Green Arrow and the Canaries, uh, Painkiller, uh, The Lost Boys, um, the 100 prequel that literally lasted about two years before it was finally put out of its misery. 
the the thing is every time something is still in active development it literally always ends with it not being picked up and i fear that's what might happen to powerpuff i hope it's not i hope that this show has such like a so bad it's good quality about it maybe they'll try to reboot it make it actually good this time but regardless of what their plan is right now it's not looking good and the state the network's in, that's just another bad thing in a lot of things that are working against any show trying to get off the ground on this network at the moment. Yeah, because anytime they start talking about things that are in development, I'm like, CW, are we sure? Perhaps we should do a pause. Perhaps we should go like back and talk to all the teams and be like, look, we're in a new era. Mm-hmm. We will, like, we're going to let all y'all go and we're going to figure it out. Like, because they, every time there's news, I'm like, how? Like, you, you don't know what your next, like, you don't know what your next step is going to be because you haven't been sold yet, if you're going to be sold at all. Mm-hmm. But you have things actively in development still. In what world does that make sense? I mean, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Um, so perhaps they are getting some talk, talks about, like, these shows are fine to stay. We're going to quietly dead these since we only get one news article about them anyway. And we'll just tell people what's going on in 2023. I hope that ends up being the case because I do um, want the Archie Comics series about, I think it's Jake Chang. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I hope that comes through and I want Powerpuff to come through and Zero, which they keep talking about. But again, in active development. The only thing I trust is Justice U is coming out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know, I feel like uh, David Ramsey's connection to this network has like maintained the conversation about that because there have been no reports about it since it was announced, we know no more. And I just feel like the fact that we're basing this on, a, on an established universe lately, things have not been working in its favor, but that might work in Justice U's favor. But that's keeping the conversation alive at the very least, whereas all of these shows are getting announced and then it's crickets for months on end. And then there's a report telling us it's still in active development before it's eventually let go. Is Powerpuff going to go to the same way? They should redevelop it as a half hour comedy. <laughs> I would watch like, that. <laughs> it could still have like action and drama, but like it, not everything needs to be stretched to fit an hour of space like it some stories just don't have the potential for that there are some shows that i watch i'm like this would be so much better if they tightened the story and just did 23 minute episodes every week (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i think it could work not to give out any more free ideas (laughs) but No, I like it. Or if they did it like um, children's shows do where they do the 15 minutes, one episode, 15 minutes, mm-hmm. next episode. So they made it meta. So it was still running like a children's show, but like for um, young adults and older adults, it'd be fun. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Fingers crossed. Um, but there's good news in our news. Reed, tell us about Fretzel's big thing. Oh my God. I was so excited when I saw it in this past week's episode. Now, I mean, I've watched the past two seasons of this show live and there's a very good chance that this has happened in previous seasons and I've missed it. But this is news to me that Pretzel got a brand deal from Rolled Gold Pretzels. And I, (laughs) I wanted to cry. It was so cute. They're doing like a video series about his like behind the scenes, um, work like they did a i saw it on instagram um they showed his stunt double it's a stuffed dog (laughs) so cute oh my gosh it's just like the perfect the perfect deal the perfect like i don't know it was amazing and 
I'm going to pull this stat out of thin air, but I hope this makes him the highest paid dog in television because he deserves. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so too. Let's just like uplift that. Also, Doggo Day, our animals, like sister site, do we still call it a sister site? (laughs) Our pet site. Um, Like if, if you love dogs, y'all should check that out. But also, perhaps we could get them to promote pretzel in his vocal Deserves. <laughs> it was just so stinking cute. <laughs> and I love cuteness at the end of the news section because you know you have to uplift. And while this isn't cuteness, we are still lifting because Nancy Drew stuff, Drew universe. Like, but well, no, I guess I'll table that one. I was going to talk about how international fans are struggling, but let's be positive first yeah. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then um, go into it. So first impressions. I loved it. And I know I'd already watched it when it premiered um, and I loved it then, but watching it again, it is such a strong pilot. It is beautifully shot. The music is amazing. Ever like there's so much information, but it doesn't feel overstuffed at all to me. And just like everybody is so good in their roles, especially Kennedy McMahon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm totally on board with all of that. I feel like pilots these days, we've said how they can feel piloty and that's so on the nose. But what I, what I mean by that, when I say that is that they have to have the adventure wrapped up within 40 minutes, the first adventure. So that doesn't always leave an awful lot of room for character. And the thing that surprised me the most about Nancy Drew was how much character work there was in it. They were taking big, long moments to develop these characters, particularly Nancy, of course, and let us get to know her and the struggles in her life. And like, this this stayed with the character they honed in on it so much so that the first adventure was not finished by the end of the pilot it felt like a part one and i don't mean that in a bad way i mean that in a really really good way because there's there's more to not just the story we know anyone who's familiar with nancy drew knows that the character likes to solve things so of course this episode is going to lend itself to a, a villain of the week ghost of spirit, ghost of the week kind of thing the ghost of spirit at. so but the pilot didn't do that. The story isn't over. There's so much mythology and story and character work to explore. And the atmosphere of it, it was glorious. I, I remember seeing the trailer and being intrigued, but I didn't think it would be this good. Totally on board with it. Yeah, it opens the world so nicely. Like every scene feels like it's needed, whether mm-hmm. it's like to develop the character or to develop the plot. Um, and I liked how it held a lot close to the vest until we're moving further and further towards the end of um, the episode. I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, are they doing a supernatural Nancy? Because usually it's never like, well, in the games, they kind of play cute, cute with it. Like, so she'll solve a mystery and there'll be a reason for um, for everything that happened at whatever haunted mansion she was at. And then occasionally like a ghost will appear behind her like it did at the end of this episode. And then so you're left wondering, was it a ghost or is someone mm-hmm. still playing tricks? So I'm like, I'm trying to like, if I wasn't, if I didn't watch it, knowing that it is going to turn into a supernatural mystery drama, would I be like along for the ride to, to, to try to dissect whether it is going to be someone messing with her or is actually a ghost? And I think I would be. I think that's the thing that hooks you besides the characters. And honestly, they did really well with her grief too over her mom, the loss of her mother and whatever her father is doing over there with her mom's best friend. Yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a lot on the burners. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that's it. 
we know we know obviously looking back and we've seen one at least one episode between the three of us already that this show will become a supernatural show but there wasn't that much supernatural stuff to deal with in the first episode because again it was on the back burner all character centric stuff and then they tease you with is it supernatural i love the conversation they had in the diner about is 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 it the ghost do you believe in ghosts could it be ghosts so the fact that it, it, it's not already a pre-established thing in that world makes us ask questions. I know we know the answers to those questions already, but it's still it's fun to look at it like that and try and take yourself out and see, would you have been along for the ride after the first episode? And yeah, I absolutely am. because And I would have been if I had tuned into it back when it first debuted. They also, um, I love a paired downcast. Like I love how um, we're not trying to, have the main cast and then the supporting cast is everywhere. And then you have minor characters that are everywhere and you're trying to keep up with everybody. Like they knew what they wanted to do and everyone has a strength that can be used and everyone has a secret. So I love that. Like it wasn't just, so when Nancy goes to go try to solve what happened to the witch woman, whose name I don't know. Um, in the, in oh, the, the, one that, the one that, Oh, her name is Tiffany Hudson. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So when she was trying to solve <laughs> Tiffany's murder, like it's like she realized, well, she begrudgingly realizes she can't do it by herself. But also um, George and I'm going to get names, y'all. I truly am. But the um, the British one. Bess. Yes. Bess. Yeah, so George and Bess, like they each had something that they could give to the story. It wasn't just those two standing on the side of the beach watching Nancy work, which can happen sometimes in shows. So I'm glad they were like, no, we're going to make everyone useful. I um, love and you're not Ace gonna waste your time. Yeah. <laughs> I love Ace. I know you guys aren't shocked, but I love him. <laughs> and I love Nick too, because he's so mysterious. And he scared me when he came up behind her in that one scene. I had jump scare. I was out of my skin. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way they've built them all together. None of them feel like supporting or guest characters. And I know that when you watch shows like eight or nine seasons in, you know what I'm talking about. Um, the supporting cast can have their own separate thing to do, which isn't that enticing. It's nice to see them all involved in the main story, that, that, that everyone feels like they have a purpose. And then the fact that the end of the episode revealed that they all have a secret. Again, we know some of the direction the show is going to go in. They will become the Scooby gang of the show. But it's really nice to see that. Can you trust this person? Like, what, what, what are they hiding? There's an awful lot of underlying mystery that the pilot didn't explore, but it left you on such a hook that you do want to tune in to find out more. And it's really funny because they all did kind of kind of tease that Scooby gang element where they, they could work together. But at this stage, we don't know if they can all be trusted because everybody's hiding something. I really love that. Yeah. And so like when you as a viewer, you end up being like Nancy by the door after she closes it. When Nick came to go help fix her car, she's like crying. I was like, me too, girl. (laughs) Like, I know what happens and I'm still hurt by the secret that you didn't know about. I'm just thinking there's just so much in this episode that is just so good. There's so much that you that you can like connect with there's so many like the the opening where they introduce the dead prom queen and that whole like through line that goes through the episode that's not really like um answered and nothing's revealed about it there's just even more questions when she finds the dress and it's just like okay what's happening here like i don't even know i think i've seen seven episodes and i don't know how any of this was resolved but 
seeing it again, I'm like, okay, why did I ever stop watching the show? (laughs) (laughs) Now I need to know how all of this is connected. And I loved how she, um, she was recording the fireworks. I don't know how much I believe that that's what she was actually doing. Cause it's like, I don't, Nancy, come on. I know you were up to something else, (laughs) even if she didn't realize it. And then she didn't realize till later that she had recorded the whole parking lot and she could see what was happening there. I thought that was another clever little um, a twist that was also connected to character because it was mm-hmm. kind of connected to her her family life, but then it it came in to help with the mystery. Does any of that yeah. make sense? I feel like I was yes. just talking. <laughs> it does because like she yeah. says she was recording it um, because she would watch the fireworks with her mom. So she was going to record the fireworks despite her mom being passed. So she was going to watch them at home. And I remember um, when she put the phone there, I was like, girl, you're going to, but you're going to get the whole parking lot though. Can we just not take our 15? No, I feel like look up at the sky. She may have wanted to record the fireworks, but I just, I don't know. She's naturally nosy. And I know she just does stuff like that for fun. So I'm like, Nancy, I, you know, it was the fireworks, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, she really is, though. The, when she takes the flathead um, to go open the, her dad's drawer, because she's like, did he really think I wasn't going to look? Like, <laughs> so you need to get something um, like more concrete to keep your daughter out. Because if it only takes a tool for her to get to your files, you need to stop trusting her as much. Yeah, she can't be stopped. <laughs> and I like the, sorry, the word. I like the way they use, I like the way they use the narration to... Uh, Add quirkiness because again, some of the some of it had some of the dialogue had to work overtime. It's a pilot; that's normal. Some of the voiceover did work overtime, but then they kept using it in like sarcastic fashion. She was like, "Oh, did he think I wasn't going to do this?" Or like when there's a shocking moment, you can hear what she says in her head before she says something out loud. And I think that really added a lot of character to it because pilots are known for their voiceover, and it can be a lot. And again, the opening scenes there was a lot of visual, but there was also a lot of dialogue. So. The fact that they continue to use the voiceover in such a clever way, I think it really like positioned her as a really strong character. And I know you know who Nancy Drew is going into it because Nancy Drew is bigger than just this show. But they really did very well establishing a new version of her with just a few lines. And I love that about it. I usually hate narration, but I really enjoy it in this because it's another extension of Kennedy's um, performance, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. I wish I had the words to describe the little things that she does like she'll linger in a scene just the way that she stares at some of the characters she doesn't always use her words to be expressive which it's like duh that's what acting is <laughs> but I don't know the the way that she redefines this character which I really haven't seen Nancy I'm not I'm unfamiliar with Nancy Drew as like a whole um, property um, but just the way that she takes a hold of this character and the little choices that she makes her, or just like I was having so much fun just watching her perform and I think this is one of the, like the first thing that she's done which is like holy crap like amazing <laughs> I think it's um she's always you can always tell Nancy's thinking yeah. like there doesn't seem like there's a moment where she doesn't have a thought which seems strange to say because you're like obviously everyone's always thinking but it's just like there's the gears are always turning you can always tell mm-hmm. throughout all the conversations she's filing information away for later um, mm-hmm. And there's two points. So, like, I think the voiceovers are a nod to the games, mm-hmm. uh, like the sarcastic side bits, like after a piece of dialogue, that's game Nancy. 
Um, and I just love Kennedy does it so well too, because um, she manages <laughs> to make that sarcasm fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, like you're in on the joke with her. Um, but then also when she redoes a conversation that she just had, so I thought it was very cute when she did the exact same thing with Nick that Nick had done with her to calm her down, like, like verbatim, even with the cheek touch no. um, in the truck. And I was like, that is just, that's so cute. I know y'all don't last, but I'm going to enjoy it <laughs> while I can. <laughs> um, and I really want to find out why they don't last. Like what happened? I know. But I, they have great I was chemistry. thinking about that the whole, I, they do. And I was like, does this, is this just like, like a situation ship? Do they never really like fall in love? Because I'm like, how does this turn into her being with spoiler alert for anybody else that's beginning this journey with us? But I think we all know just from being on the internet that she and Ace end up getting together. Um, I'm like, how does that end up happening? I just, I like, I guess that's another point of me really wanting to be on this journey and watching the show, but I'm like so impatient that I want to (laughs) know. Yeah, and the first episode, you, there are other shows out there like this that, like you said, set, set up kind of like that, like situational romance and that one of the characters aren't usually fully in it. And then the new, the, the alien or the, the detective, whoever comes to town, and then the main character's like, look at this person. And that clearly sets up that story. But there was none of that here. So like Nancy and Nick have such an interesting relationship. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how that grows and then ultimately falls apart. I hope it lasts a little bit longer because one of my biggest pet peeves in, I guess I'll say teen shows. I don't know if that's what we would call this, but for example, like One Tree Hill, when we meet the cast, the characters in the pilot, Peyton and Nathan are together, but they like break up kind of like within the first few episodes. But that history has to be part of the whole series, even though it's not a part of like the whole season. So it's like, why, why is it? I, I don't know. It's just like setting up a dynamic that isn't actually important. So I hope that this, um, whatever it is, lasts longer than like the first fourth of the season or the first few episodes of the season. Cause I don't know. I just don't want it to be something that's like, Oh, remember when that happened and it didn't really amount to anything just like Peyton and Nathan. <laughs> yeah. Cause in Montreal Hill, they would bring it up occasionally. And it was always to like, for them to talk about how, like they weren't right for each other or the things that they did to one another that was hurtful or that time it came back because of the, um, the tape that they had found. And she'd, she'd found out that Brooke was messing with him at one point. Um, And it was just there for drama. I don't think Nancy Drew is going to do that, but like if, since um, she and Nick are together, I want like their way to like when they break up and their way to friendship to be a thing that still exists in this show where they care for one another even though they've moved on. So I think um, one of the things that has deterred some people from watching Nancy Drew is the comparisons it got to Riverdale. Having rewatched the pilot, other than aesthetic, and that's only a little bit, there's literally nothing about Nancy that is anything like Riverdale, like, would you put them on the same list together if you were suggesting shows um, of this nature? Sure. Um, like, if I was say, if someone liked Riverdale, I would tell them to watch Nancy Drew and vice versa. But I wouldn't say that that means that you're exactly, you're like looking at a um, Riverdaleized Nancy Drew in any capacity. See, I agree with you. And I feel like at the time when it premiered, I kind of felt the 
the comparison a little bit more. And I feel like that was just like the proximity to Riverdale mm-hmm. being premiering and how big it was in the beginning. Um, but you're right. It's just, there are similarities, but I think there's a lot of differences. It's not quite as campy, at least not yet. Like it's not like tongue in cheek. It's very kind of, um, I don't want to say straightforward, but it's not in the same way of Riverdale kind of is like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We're going to get crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're both a little dark, a little spooky, a little something's not right here. But um, yeah, I wouldn't say that they're just from knowing what I know now about Riverdale. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like the CW was kind of banking on the fact that they're aesthetically similar and that uh, they're both young shows that like, revamp older properties they're reimagined it from a very like teen perspective and obviously there's a mystery at the heart of it so, and because they were promoted quite heavily together so i think that maybe where the comparison came from but no, i totally agree even though nancy drew is working with supernatural elements everything about it feels so much more authentic from a character standpoint we loved riverdale in the beginning and for because of what it was it did it, it did accentuate things it made things far more eccentric than they needed to be um the characters were really larger than life whereas this feels a little more stripped back and authentic and like an actual thriller novel and i think that'll help nancy jude at least to have more life because it'll not keep trying to outdo itself if that makes sense i do agree that on the surface they look they feel similar but from a standard point of view they're completely different Thriller is a really good word to use for Nancy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if I'd call Riverdale. I'm trying to think in the beginning. I wouldn't really call it a thriller, right? No, it was thrilling. Yeah. But I wouldn't really <laughs> call it a thriller. <laughs> Maybe season two. It got a little dark. Yeah. Got really dark. Um, not, though it did have dark elements in the beginning, too. I'll never be over the um, the episode about the um, drive-in theater closing. But that's only because that was so hurtful. <laughs> Um, to find all about that about Jughead, not to have a Riverdale aside. Um, but one of the things I do like, um, really, really like about Nancy Drew actually is that it's not set in high school. It's the year Mm. after she graduated. Um, and I do love teen dramas that happen in high school, but they, they do, they're oversaturating the market and you really do need young adult shows that take place after high school. Um, I love that it's also, it's after high school and our main character is lost because of Mm. the circumstances in her life. So you like, that's really relatable. Um, And they made her, this is gonna be a shot at Fate Fate the Week saga. Um, And I'm so sorry for those who are are fans of of the show, but what I like that, that Nancy Drew does that I don't think Fate did well is that Nancy has um, qualities that are not likable, but the um, the narrative helps you see why she is the way she is. She's not girl bossing her way um, through things that she doesn't understand. <laughs> like she knows what she's doing when it comes to solving things. She doesn't know what she's doing emotionally, and that's because she has a lot of emotions. And she actually listens. Like you get to the pilot up through the pilot episode, and she listens to Nick who has been trying to be there for her. Um, and she, like, she was vulnerable and it ended up hurting her, but like, and it led to another mystery. <laughs> but it's just, I like that. I really hate the trend of like female characters who they don't write to have a balance of vulnerability and kick buttness and can do what, can do basically anything that she sets her mind to, but she's still open to um, to help once that help is useful. Like 
sometimes that's not how they're written and it's a little annoying. So I'm glad in the pilot episode for Nancy, that was not the case. We broke that down, moved her past it. Like sure, she's going to brush up against it again, but not in a way that makes you feel like she's not going to grow. I love a flawed main character and I know people can get stuck on likability, but I don't think that's super important all the time because look, we're not all likable all the time. So like, even though the show is called Nancy Drew and you want to, she's our entrance into this world. We want to like her. We want to see ourselves in her, but that doesn't mean that she needs to be perfect or that like all of her choices need to be um, north on the moral compass. Yeah. And she was going through a lot in that episode and like, because of everything that had happened in the previous year. And it, it felt like you knew her quite quickly and you could accept her because Every time something happened, you're like, oh, she's not going to like that. And then she didn't. The character never felt like she bent towards the will of the plot. The plot worked with how she was as a character. And I I hope now, because I'm sure there will be episodic stories in the show as it goes on. I hope that it continues to do that because she does feel like such a fully formed personality early on with strengths with flaws and that's that that's my favorite kind of character because again it it goes back to that authenticity she was a very very real person from the get-go and I hope it says that way going forward yeah because it's nice it is nice when characters are unfair um because sometimes emotions are irrational like she's unfair with her dad it seems and we still haven't unpacked that um but it's like fine because you can tell there's a um there's a rift there that we're not quite sure what happened but definitely has to do with her mom um even setting aside you know his romantic relationship with her mom's best friend i am really interested to see what it is that broke between the the two of them um but i also like that it's not just like i mean like you could have unlikable characters and i think there's a there's a worth to that in writing i just think there needs to be balance and I don't think there are some writers who can't do both. Like, do you, do you, can you have a whole show about a sh- uh, character that is completely unlikable? Sure. That's Breaking Bad. Like there's. <laughs> that's yeah, HBO's girls. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But you do have to, they can't just be unlikable for the sake of being unlikable. Like there has to be something in the story you can latch on to. And I think for some shows, again, fate, there isn't. <laughs> Um, which again, Fate the Wings Saga season two, I think is coming out at some point this year. And I hope it's better. That's a Netflix show, y'all. If you want to give it a try, you can. Reed is like, mm. I, like <laughs> I mean, I haven't watched it, but I haven't heard great things, mostly from you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I slander it. I'm sorry. I think the, the Fate Wings girl fandom, I don't even know how to describe it. I guess the Wings fandom, because it's still the whole thing. Anyway, I'm, I wrote a slander piece and I'm not sorry about it, but I, mean, I do hope okay. the show improves. Circling back to um, Nancy's dad, though, I want to say that Freddie Prince Jr. was supposed to play her dad, which is like oh. iconic that he was even going to be in it. And then when he was recast, it was another 90s heartthrob mm-hmm. with Scott, Scott Wolf. Like iconic. I love when these shows like these modern, um, I don't want to call it modern. That sounds so weird and dark and makes me feel old um <laughs> but like these shows for like a new generation like they bring back the the heartthrobs that we loved in the 90s i don't know i just love it he was in party of five scott wolf which i loved when i was in high school i wasn't in high school when it was on just to be clear to everybody because <laughs> i think i was a child when it was actually on um but yeah, I just want to throw that out. And there's another fun fact that I um, realized while watching the episode 
is that Pamela Sue Martin, who played Nancy Drew in the 1977 series, The Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew Mysteries, was the medium that they went to see in the pilot, which I was like, that's fun. That's um, a cool cameo to have. And Pamela Sue Martin also played the original Fallon on Dynasty, though she has not appeared on CW's Dynasty. Just had to throw that in there. You know, I, I always have to get Dynasty in. Once again, the connections are there. I feel like, Reed, if you did a whole board like, of, of <laughs> Dynasty connections, whether it's the OG or the reboot, you would find a lot of the CW on there. <laughs> so I just feel like maybe we should manifest that into existence, like yeah. a, a project. I mean, I can. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> Reed in the CW's multiverse. Um I yes. love the way that the CW always tries to pay tribute to maybe either the WB shows or things from days gone by. You even see it in superhero shows, the way John Wesley Shep, who played the Flash in the 90s, was Barry's father on the Flash. And I just think that's such a lovely tribute to what came before, whether the previous version worked or it didn't, whether it was legendary or whether it's kind of like a deep cut that some only some people will understand. It's always nice to see that. And I feel like Nancy Drew is now the latest example of that. It's always nice to see the stars of or the previous teen stars of days gone by um, uh, honored in like new versions of those shows. And I, I love that. I love that. I mean, even I know we're not talking Riverdale yet, but even Riverdale had Luke Perry from 9210 mm-hmm. and Molly freaking Ringwald and Mad Mick. I don't know if I said her name correctly, but like all the parents are icons. And I don't know if the like the teens that are tuning in Riverdale like understood that. But like I know for a lot of people it was like, oh, my God, I'm watching Riverdale for Luke Perry. <laughs> <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> I, I think if, if, if they recognize anyone, it would be Molly. Yeah. Because the John Hughes movies are everywhere. Mm-hmm. And she was uh, in um, The Secret Life of the American Teenager. Oh, yes, yes. We'll not leave that there. <laughs> <laughs> we do carry a lot of trauma about teen shows. I feel like it's a rite of passage when it comes to television watching. Right? Ooh. I mean, we all have that one. <laughs> we, wouldn't know, we, we wouldn't know as much as we do right now if we didn't. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. It's it's a part of coming of age for a television to traumatize you in some fashion when it comes to their teen shows. Um, okay, so last thoughts on Nancy. I wanted to immediately watch episode two and I had I was like, I, I can't because <laughs> we gotta save it for the pod. <laughs> that was the only downside to feeling like pilot part one. I wanted to tune into part two. Um it was a great cliffhanger and it just felt like there was so much more to give. And that'll make next week so much more fun. Mm-hmm. It will, because Ace is taking pictures of George. George is seeing Mr. Hudson. Bess is living in a van and has the ring. And Nick, Nick found something in the car. And I can't remember. Is it a book? I can't, I can't remember. No. Yeah, that was weird. I didn't. I was like, is it a book? It looks like a box or a book. I don't know. It was something. But everyone's got something going on. Episode two, I can't wait. I know. More drama, more mystery, more solving. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but we're still going to remain in the universe, though, because we have to shift to Tom Swift, um, which I really like this episode. Uh, There's only one point, though, and I I love that it's revolved around a baby, but I have to say when the baby's mom gave him over, I think it's a a boy, um, I was like, man, they just arrived at the house. Yeah, <laughs> you don't know them <laughs> you just like protect the baby because like, I don't want them to get him I was like why don't they just protect you too they can stash you in the house I would not be doing what she did 
Oh, no. <laughs> and th- this episode was so tense, but I agree. I feel like that little setup could have been a little bit better because that kind of went through the motions and just got them from A to B. And I was like, I don't know if I'd buy this. You had like a five minute scene offering these people tea who you didn't know five minutes ago and now you're handing your child over to them. Not sure I would have bought that. No, but... <laughs> I have to say, not to pivot too quickly, but like Zenzi, she was stressing me out in this episode. Everything that was happening with her was stressing me out. Yeah. Yeah. But she was amazing though. Like the, I think we're probably going to hop all around the episode anyway, because there are just many different points. Yeah. When, she, when Tom threw the, um, the noise bomb, the sound mm-hmm. bomb, whatever it is. Uh, and she didn't make it to the elevator because she was busy, like, kicking the ankles out from, from the guards. I was like, Zenzi, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's always her that she's, like, in danger or, like, <laughs> in peril. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she could have just literally just went with them. They were far enough behind her. But nope, she had to go on Black Widow on them and take them down. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, it was an amazing scene. But I was like, mm, you probably could have made it. Yeah, I did like that it just gives Ashley an opportunity to flex some action skills. Like, put it in the real Ashley. I'd love to see you in an action series or an action movie. Um, because they do, they give her a lot to do mm. action-wise. And um, this one was good. They had her sliding down the hall, too, in order to escape the guards. Not the guards, the... Um, the, the fake FBI. Yes, the henchmen. <laughs> yes, the henchmen. <laughs> the henchmen. <laughs> Um, and that was great. Uh, but Reed, what else stressed you? Was it just the action scenes or was it the Olitz moment by the door with Eskel? Exactly that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly that. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't know what to make of like, we only have two episodes left and she's really doubled down on this. I mean, no judgment. Do what you got to do. We all learn. I, I just don't know what to make of it. I don't know. Help me. Walk me through it. What do we think? <laughs> I'm judging. <laughs> I'm judging so Okay, you're better. I mean, I should be there with you, but I'm just like, you know what? None of my business. You do here. <laughs> you're like, you know what? I love you. You'll figure it out. For me, I'm like, I don't know how many more red flags this man can throw up. Um, because... Eskel's okay, I guess. I mean, I really like the character. I think he's intriguing. Um, I, I like that he's duplicitous and that he probably has some type of tragic backstory that led him to being under the thumb of the road back. Oh, I don't um, care about that. You don't? <laughs> <laughs> no, he doesn't. No, I don't need anything that humanizes him or excuses him. No, I don't care. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, no, I don't need him redeemed. Like, if he died, yeah, I'd yeah, be yeah. okay. But, like... <laughs> I don't want to hear it. That's my point. Like, I don't like, I don't want them to bring it up. <laughs> oh, but they did with him leaning against the door. And he's like, just, like, let me, let me tell you what happened. Like, I just... Look, he's a wannabe Fitzgerald Grant. And I don't even like Fitz from Scandal. So, like, that's not helping him. And I just feel like Zenzi wants love so much and she's so endeared towards Eskel that she's willing to overlook it. And I'm like, but you have a good man in Isaac, which you were confused. And That's not his fault. Up and yeah. so, oh my God, I was like, screaming. <laughs> <laughs> and they did such a TV thing. I said last, was it last week? Yeah, that what, what impressed me as far as Eskel was that he's not inherently evil. Yes, obviously now we know he's done bad things, but he's not the person at the top ordering these out. He was put in positions that he felt like he couldn't get out of. 
but that doesn't that doesn't certainly doesn't excuse him but at least adds a little more quality to his character they did such a tv thing this week where he was like i've done bad things and i want to move on you're the only one who can help me out and she never yeah. once asked what were those bad things and like he stabbed the family doctor in the car like i think that might have changed her mind yeah she's not really asking the right questions is she she doesn't really want to know and i think like that's a character beat for her that's going to come to like bite her in the behind um which i mean that's going to make for great tv but I, I just really want her to ask more questions like he's sketchy like she was still into him even after finding out that the roadback has been messing with her best friend tom and tom's joking about it too. he's like tom this isn't funny i'd be mad <laughs> <laughs> oh tom I had update on my Rowan and Tom situation. I was endeared. I'm softening mm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. All the, all the relationship stuff. I was like, it was stressing me out, man. I it's didn't stressful. I don't know. <laughs> we don't really know where this show was going. And I think that was, that's one of the best parts of it. But in an episode as tense as this, that just adds to the tension and there was so much there. You didn't know whether Tom wanted to be with Isaac and then he pushed him away. But Isaac actually really wanted to be with Zenzi and then she pushed him away. And then she was like pulling the congressman close. And I was like, no, please push him away. And everything went everywhere. And I feel like this episode completely obliterated the board. And it's good to do that towards the end of the season. But I feel like we're running out of time for some important character moments. that We might not see them before it ends. Two episodes and it's it. I know. Well, let's not say that. I mean, it is it, but let's not manifest that it's it, it. I don't know why they didn't get 13. I feel like if they got 13, we would be, um, we'd be in a better place because we have two episodes left mm-hmm. in the Lino plot is still trying to find its legs. And I like that plot, but where's the room for it in these last two episodes? Yeah, 10 episodes is an insult. That's what you give like a final season. Like Gossip mm-hmm. World got 10 episodes. That's fine. But no, none of this Netflix 10 episode garbage. Sorry, no, especially when commercials really are there. <laughs> well, especially because like they give us commercials. It's not like it's on Netflix and you get a tidy one hour for each episode. Mm-hmm. We get 43 to 45 minutes. Yeah. And this show's too episodic for that because they have to devote time to finding them, the ship pieces, finding uh, finding his father. And this episode was a perfect example of how it almost feels like they're doing too much. They're like, we have two days to save them. And I'm like, well, you have two episodes left. So I assume each episode is going to be devoted to one of those days. But but we can't do that now because something else huge has come up. So Tom Tom lost another one of those three days in, in whatever this debacle was this week. And he kind of wasn't worried about it. They were all laughing and joking at the end. And I'm like, give us the tension to build, build up a little bit more. I'm not sure it'll get everything it needs to done before the end. And because it's so episodic while also trying to devote itself to all these different subplots, it's going to be interesting to see how it closes out. Yeah, because the banter is great, but they were also bantering when like Zenzi was writhing on the floor from yeah, the, the noise bomb. And I was like, y'all, we've been at two minutes with you two going back and forth. She is in pain. <laughs> I know. They took so long to deal with her. And I was like, can we like, wait, like we talk about that? <laughs> I know. Like it, it was such a calm conversation they were having. They were like talking about each other's lives. And then we'll say, Zenzi, don't worry. I'm not going to let her sit there. I'm like, but you are. Yeah, and he's like, she's fine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, I don't know about that, but I know they did the same with like when the baby was in the air. As a Tom, I'm, I'm really, really glad that it worked out. But this baby is floating <laughs> in the air. 
<laughs> yeah, and I mean, I can, and I can kind of buy it because Tom takes nothing seriously, but all the other people around him dead, and they were all just like, "Look at the floating baby!" And like, someone pick it up. He was very concerned about his shoes in the beginning, though. Yes, he was. Yes, he, was. <laughs> <laughs> he had his priority straight from the get go. One thing about Tom, he he's serious about those shoes. He is. He is. Oh my God. I wonder what the new look is going to be in the next episode, because though there's going to be two men dying in the basement, um, we were going, we're going to have a fashion moment. So I want to know what the fashion <laughs> moment is, is going to be. Oh yeah. Now, if there's one thing you can rely on this show for, it's some fashion moments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. Which I guess that leads us to, so I didn't catch up on Riverdale. But Reed and Michael promised that they'd tease me so mm-hmm. I will catch up to Riverdale. So We won't get into it, um, but episode 20, Return to Rivervale, was, I think Michael and I both agree, pretty good, right? Yep, yep. I have to say, when I saw the title, I was like... <sighs> I know, I was like, please, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Again. <laughs> <laughs> But it did something which impressed me and that was behave like a normal predictable tv show it finally feels like we're tying things up i know and focus what do you exactly <laughs> they stripped it, you know <laughs> they stripped it back by making it more complicated but it worked um there were stakes there is tension and answers exactly I, yeah exactly that's the most important thing one thing I will I say, though, it. I don't want to get too deep into it. Um, I, I do want to give Serena three, like, words to be teased by. But before I get into that, um, Archie was saying, like, we don't know what Percival wants. And I'm like, y'all, it's episode 20. We need to know <laughs> the motivation by now. And we did get it. Um, but it was just like, how is this still a conversation that they're having that they don't know what he wants or, like, what the plan <laughs> is? I'm like, guys, come on. We needed to get there faster. And we did get it. So, like, it was... Um, a good episode okay so i'm gonna give out three words as like spoiler without context um first one multiverse okay. right michael yeah oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. uh second one Hellmouth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> i got goosebumps <laughs> third one this one might be the biggest spoiler but it's one of my biggest questions from the episode which is like not super important but ethel okay i will be watching yeah <laughs> i mean i was gonna yeah. catch up but okay yeah it's a like make sure you like phone down notification silence because like they're from the ground running like they just start the episode like before like they even did the title card i was like can you guys slow down hold on you have been this quick pace all season (laughs) (laughs) yeah no the title card is quite late into the episode and they do the most from the get-go so by the time it arrives it really does a great job of setting the episode up i have to say i was very very impressed by it and i'm glad we i'm glad it wasn't part of our binge from last week because that would completely contradicted everything we said. It does contradict everything we say. And that's the best part about it. So glad it's finally starting to prove us wrong. Yeah. I can't wait for us to to talk about it. Cause one of the things I feel like we need to talk about is even though like this did kind of like turn the light bulb on and it clicked for me and I was like, Oh, maybe the season isn't as like, 
sad <laughs> as I thought because like finally like I understand it and like I get how everything is coming together but I'm like is it too little too late so that's a I think a conversation we should have after this episode because I don't think one episode that comes two episodes before the finale should redeem a full season of television but we'll mm-hmm. we'll, we'll get there we'll get to it okay, yeah next week next next pod Mm-hmm. Is it next week? Oh, let me just tell them to. Yeah, I think we're we're yes. doing two more episodes, right in order. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. Cool. Um. So I will be. I will be caught up. You. I'm not good at that, but I make a promise in this pod, um, that I will catch up. If I'm not, y'all get to put tomatoes in the gift below, like something that I post on. I mean, on next Twitter. week we'll just give you three more. Three, three three more words <laughs> <laughs> the other one was enticing though I, I want to know i mean yeah i, I love yeah. that you gave such like expansive words like multiverse and hellmouth and we're all intrigued by the apple one <laughs> lover that's riverdale <laughs> in a nutshell but it it's worth it those three keywords genius yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay um read would you say that the in the dark court episodes were genius or like a step above what's been seen in the season? I think they were, oh my God, they were really good. Um, not as fun as a dynasty court episode, I will mm-hmm. say, but that's to be expected. Um, but it brought back a lot of, um, of Murphy's past, which I appreciated. I don't know if that was intentional as like a final season or if that's just like where we are in the story that she needs to reckon with everything. Like they brought back characters that she just encountered um, for like a single episode and like she did something horrible to them just but like by chance. Like there's this one kid that like she like randomly met and she like forced him to drive her somewhere. I don't remember what it was, but she like left him somewhere and it was, it was wild. Um, But yeah, they brought a lot of those people to like make the case against her. Um, remember she's on trial for murder which is crazy um but yeah like I didn't even understand how these lawyers like could contact these people because I don't know who knows about them more than um Murphy if she just she's the only one that encountered them but again I don't understand the law so I don't know how these things work um but it was really it was so good to see Murphy confront all of the things that have happened all of the choices that she's made all of the things that have happened to her because all of this whole story began because she was just trying to save her friend that had been murdered outside of her apartment building like that's how she got wrapped up into everything that has happened like that was the the um the trigger triggering incident of like all this whole story and there's a sense of like empathy that you can have for her that we I think I've spoken that it's hard to feel bad for her, especially last season when she was just being so terrible. Um, But it was easier to see the empathy and to have empathy for her just because she didn't kill this person that she's on trial for. Her best friend did it to save her. So she still feels that guilt, but she still has to take ownership for everything that has happened because, I mean, she's the the center of it all. She's the... um, she's the reason that anything has happened. So it's a very complicated two episodes of television. It's a two-part trial. And as much as I hated to see Murphy, I don't know if I want to spoil too much, but I also don't care. (laughs) She does get off. There's a mistrial, but it's because she made a deal to be 
um, a CI and I intended to look up what CI meant. Um, so I don't know what those two letters stand for. <laughs> the I is it, informant. Yeah. I don't criminal, know what the C criminal is. informant, criminal informant. Um, uh, either way, she is going to be helping um, the, the detectives that were originally trying to bring her down and like put her in jail there. She's going to help them try to get this drug off the street, which she, once again, she encountered in prison. Like she ended up being in the center of it all by accident. (laughs) Um, But yeah, there's a lot of motivation for her because there was um, in the first season, she really got close with this um, fellow blind girl. She was the daughter of the, I don't want to get too into it because it's, I could end up explaining the whole four seasons to you, but she was the daughter of the, detective ended up being dirty and she had she was dating him but it was a whole mess um so she still feels a lot of guilt for this girl and she visits her in the hospital and she whispers i needed you and murphy's like okay i need to i just got chills because that scene was really impactful (laughs) um but she's like i need to do something and she found a way to um get around going to jail which i mean props to murphy she always finds a way but yeah, this opens up a whole new aspect of this final season that I wasn't really anticipating because I was like, how are they going to do this? Because it starts out with her in jail and then she's on trial. But they always find a way to to throw a twist in there for Murphy. So and I'm looking forward to catching back up with the flash forward they teased mm-hmm. in the first episode and if not said anything about it again. So I think we're getting closer to that. It sounds like the story for In the Dark is like really tight. Um, like they they knew what they were going to be doing, and I feel like other CW shows that are still around take notes, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they get their thirteen episode seasons, and they really uh, map that out. They know what they're doing. I will say, season three, maybe it's just my own opinion, was a little bit too meandering for me. Like there wasn't as much meat to that story, and maybe if I rewatched it, I would understand it as a whole. Um, but yeah, this season, again, I don't know if they got the warning that it was final season because I know they filmed a little far in advance. I'm not sure, but it it does feel very like full circle. We're wrapping things up. That's good. At least you know yeah. you're working toward an ending mm-hmm. that if not satisfac- this is not satisfying, at least we'll end the story in a way that doesn't leave you on a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Either she's going to get her happy ending or is the cycle's just going to continue. We're going to get like a, not like a cliffhanger, but you know, when you get those endings where it's like, she's not done yet. Mm-hmm. Batwoman. Yeah. Yeah. That's how yeah, Batwoman ended. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like a season end where there's still more to go. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, 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 oh. I have to say on the Maxim Murphy front, I know I'm quoted on this podcast as saying that I don't know how they're going to get them back together. And I know I teased the last time I talked about in the dark that they mm-hmm. revved it right back up and I'm on back on board. Um, but this week she has to push him away. Like she really loves this man and he loves her too, but he's dating her best friend's sister. It's a whole thing. Um, but he's kind of like, he wants to be there for her and like be there with her, but she's told that being a CI is really dangerous and it could hurt everybody that she loves. So she's like, no, I don't love you. I don't want to be with you. And she does those things. She does that stuff so often to protect herself and to protect people she loves that it's like, ugh, it's hard to watch her be in pain like that to do the opposite of what she wants. 
And it's hard to see the people that receive that because he's like really like, ugh, again, we're doing this. Um, but yeah, Max and Murphy endgame. I don't care. I'm back on the ship. I'm steering the whole boat. <laughs> <laughs> Manifesting it for you. <laughs> yes. Sorry, y'all are going through it though once yeah. again. <laughs> <laughs> Season three was rough. I'll say that. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, so we have, this is not what we're watching. It's what we watched and we can't really talk about the Winchester's pilot, but we're going to talk about the Winchester's pilot, like in a way that like, won't get us emails from the reps, like taking away our, <laughs> our access, but um, y'all are going to like it. It gives WB. It's really cute. I mean, if, if you watch the trailer, you know, you're in for an adventure and it was a good trailer because you're in for an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely felt like it reminded me of watching TV when I was younger and like not in a very like nostalgic way. Um, uh, like I feel like Gotham Knights take notes if you're trying to do throwback, like a throwback vibe. Mm. Y'all need to be paying attention to what the Winchesters are doing because mm. it's like obviously it's it's a period piece, but it's giving a little something different. Um, and we liked it. Yeah, I'm afraid to say anything, but mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yes. Oh, and um, Reed, what is what is John Winchester's actor's name? Drake Roger. Yeah. Uh, uh, welcome the new CW heartthrob. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're going to be going through it on the internet <laughs> just <laughs> truly like like sir i know you're not listening but prepare yourself because Love him. that fandom is coming they truly are he was great in it by the yeah. way yeah he was really good mm-hmm. okay yeah we're gonna stop that like if we didn't even sign like an nda or anything but we're just like we're gonna leave it right there yeah i'm just like scared that i'm gonna it. spoil something or like say too much <laughs> yeah but can wait till october yes we'll really get into it true or if we could have review screeners fingers crossed fingers crossed fingers crossed okay sips tea <laughs> <laughs> all right so um now we are in roast and a toast michael i'm gonna hand it to you because i feel like this is something that's always on your heart but once again it came up this time for nancy drew yeah speak on it look i come from an era i'm not that old i come from an (laughs) era where i would watch cw shows on whatever network bought them unfortunately we're not in that era anymore and cw shows are not tending to go around the world and nancy drew is a prime example of that I know it's notoriously hard to track down, which is shocking considering it's part of kind of this bigger than the show franchise, like Nancy Drew is a well-established character. But these shows are not reaching people in the same way that they used to. I've talked about All-American, for example. I know it's a huge hit on Netflix and I know it's in the title All-American, but I feel like that show would have the potential to be a global hit or at least perform well, just in the way that a lot of those kinds of shows do worldwide. But like, Outside of the States, not as many people know it as they should. I wouldn't have known it existed if I wasn't following some of the actors or the network and wasn't aware of it. These shows are hard to track down internationally. And I think Nancy Drew is now a prime example of that because it's like practically non-existent in places like the UK. And unless you're like members of the press 
or your luck, eh? Um, you're not going to say it. And that's very disappointing because, it, again, it was so popular. It, got, it was one of the few to get renewed this year. It is. It, 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 these shows reach so many people. These shows are among the biggest shows in the world. If And if you look up the most pirated shows in the world, on the top 10 every year, The Flash, when Arrow was still on, Arrow was on, Superman at OS is now on it as well, because those shows are not as easy to obtain as they should be. And it's awful when you have all these streaming services worldwide that none of them are picking them up. And I just feel like this show, this network has such a global appeal, whether it's the teen shows, the superhero shows, the, show, the shows that walk the line between both, like Riverdale or Nancy Joe, even Walker, because Jared Padalecki is very well known worldwide. It's frustrating that you can be a fan of these shows and watch them from afar without actually being able to watch them. And I don't like that we live in this era. And I know a big part of that's because HBO Max isn't as global as the likes of Netflix yet, but they are rolling it out. But I just feel like do better. The CW thrived on international deals, international marketing, and more people knew what the shows were outside of the States than what the CW was. And I feel like now that it's moving into this whole, we're a proper TV network era, less people are going to know about it shows outside of the world, outside of the US and the rest of the world. But maybe that's what their end game is. But I don't think that builds longevity. It builds success on the night. And we don't even know it's going to pull that off. But it won't build, it won't turn these shows into global successes in the way the WB shows like Smallville or the early Supernatural or Gilmore Girls were. And I don't think that's good. And it's not for the fans outside of the US. It's not, especially, it's always so sad. Um, Michael, when I see like you or other international fans who are like lamenting the loss of a show and you're just like, we would watch, we Mm -hmm. would be there if y'all would just, you know, strike more international deals or not put your thing. Like if obviously, if you have to put it on the home streamer, like HBO Max, fine, but then do a licensing deal that puts it somewhere else if, um, if it's not available in somebody else's country. I mean, it'll be lucrative. I don't understand why we're leaving money on the table. I mean, we've seen how international fans can save a show. Mm -hmm. The only reason Dynasties was on for five seasons is because the international fans. So, like, I don't, it it doesn't make sense to me to alienate an entire audience. I know these are American shows, but, like, come on. Mm -hmm. Riverdale, I think, is the best example because, yes, it's huge on on Netflix in the States, but it is a Netflix original worldwide outside of the States. And that's what turned it. That's what turned the cast. If you you think about the Riverdale cast in the same way you think about the Stranger Things cast, because they have that big reach, that big social audience. And I know the show hasn't survived the last five years in the same way that Stranger Things has survived the last five years, but it still is a Netflix original internationally. It drops new episodes around the world every Monday now because it's on in the States on the Sunday night. If it was on in the States on Wednesday, it would drop a new episode every Thursday. It's just, it is a Netflix original worldwide because of that incredible international deal. And look at the impact that had on not just Riverdale, but its cast, the promoting team, the social media accounts that have followers from all over the world. And you're like, what's the point in creating these accounts on global platforms like Instagram or whatnot when you're just banking on a US audience to follow them? No modern CW show, unless it's tied to something like DC, will ever achieve the levels of success that Riverdale did because they're not worried about 
appealing to international audiences and again i don't think there's any longevity in that which is such a shame because we know the original network the wb that we know the cw have found such success in international audiences so why get rid of something that guaranteed you money i don't know maybe the game plan will change upon the cell or they'll start thinking more about it um, I don't even know why they don't do so like evil when it before it moved to Paramount Plus, it had a one year licensing deal with Netflix to garner up an audience for a season two Then season two moved to Paramount Plus um, instead of airing on CBS. Like, why aren't we doing at least one year licensing deals or like mm-hmm. a small window of time where a show is available on Netflix before it moves over to its regular home um, streamer, which again, for CW is HBO Max. Exactly. And the thing is, not to get too deep into it, but I've, and we've talked about this on the pod before, but I always use the Superman at Lois example when talking about how much people want stuff internationally. That show debuted in February last year to 1.7 million viewers. And if you typed in Superman at Lois on the internet, top one of the top five results would have been Superman at Lois UK release set because people in the UK wanted to know when you could get that, how you could get that. And Sky, which had bought all the other Arrowverse shows, did not buy Superman and Lois. So everyone was like, where is Superman and Lois? When's it coming? And it quickly became one of the biggest shows in the world without actually being available to everyone in the world. And then when it did come to the UK on BBC One in November or December, it was watched by 2.7 million viewers on its premiere in the UK. Like more than, you, than the US. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So you have a smaller country, but a much, much, much bigger viewership almost a year after it debuted in the US. Is that not an example of how sought after these shows are, of how successful these shows are? I'm not saying that a CW show could ever compare to the levels of Game of Thrones because everybody was watching, a lot of networks around the world did those uh, multi-streams where you could tune into it on whatever network hosted it that night. So over here, it would have been 2 a.m. in the morning, which would have been the same time as its HBO, HBO premiere in the States. So everyone was watching around the world at the same time. I'm not saying a CW show would have that level of appeal, but not everyone knows what the CW is worldwide. So if you had like a Superman show premiere at the same time around the world, it would be Superman at Lois would have been so much bigger than it actually is. It's just, it feels like they've missed so many opportunities to market these shows, these properties outside of the States. And then that ultimately makes the show's fan based so much smaller than it could have been well if they're looking to do appointment television that's what they need Mm -hmm. to do yeah and finding out that you guys didn't even get like roswell or in the dark like i mean i don't know how roswell will do but i feel like in the dark like the uk always has those like dark gritty mystery Mm -hmm. thrillers like i think i don't know they're missing out what's going on I don't know. Perhaps as we're in this transitional period, aka the flop era, um, we will we will figure things out. Like I'm really hoping that by the time that we get into 2023, they sort of figure they come to grips with where they are in the market and how they want to expand. Because um, if it is about turning a profit and stop making it a syndication farm, um, then they do need to pay attention to the international audience much more than they do. Like Netflix can't be doing the heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to start paying attention to something they've let slip. I do understand that one. 
but to take your eye off the ball on something that was working incredibly well is a very stupid idea because then you could fail in both territories and that's not that's not a good thing. When the international audience was lifting you out of a lot of tricky situations, you should not be turning your back on them. Mm-hmm. And anyway, manifesting that they get it together. Fingers crossed. Right. I'll keep you updated. <laughs> <laughs> And we're going to end that with a toast um, to the Nancy Drew fandom. We've toasted y'all before, but we're toasting you again because we are now on our Nancy Drew journey. And at least personally, um, it is because of how excited you guys have been like the entire uh, time that it's been on, plus like the amazingness that was your push to get it renewed and it worked. Um, so yeah, so, uh, like cheers to the Nancy Drew fandom. Cheers to them. Follow us, join us on our our journey to watch it rewatch it with us and we also might have a fun little giveaway for y'all yeah stay tuned (laughs) (laughs) yes and we're part of this journey with y'all now and it feels so good to finally be on this end of it because we've teased it we've weared it we've planned it we find tried to find out where it was streaming internationally and that didn't work out (laughs) um but we finally made it here this journey is started i've always been intrigued by this show and I'm kind of angry at myself that I didn't follow through on it beforehand but I'm so happy I've left it to this point so that we can all experience it for the first time so experience it with us this is our moment but it's your moment as well Nancy yes. girl we need you you're our only hope <laughs> she is like so glad that we're on this journey with her because <laughs> she's going to keep us afloat yeah <laughs> And don't blame us if things go south after season four. Not our fault. <laughs> yes. No. I know I mean, I'm that- noted as saying that like when I start watching shows, sometimes it doesn't work out for me in the long run. But I'm going to try to not bring that energy into Nancy. Well, but like we said earlier, though, like season four, that's just where shows tend to fall off. Like that wouldn't be you, Reed. <laughs> that would just be like how it happens in the writer's room. Um, but considering like the thoughtlessness that Kennedy was giving first day of shooting, at Ooh. least aesthetically, it's yeah. gonna be a vibe. The new hair era for Nancy, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The waves, the long flowing red locks. It was nice. And she knew it. She was like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> she immediately started trending on Twitter. So yeah. <laughs> power of Nancy. Power of Nancy. All right, so that is it for to. Um, what was I going to say tonight? <laughs> um, that's it for this episode. Next week, we are going to be talking about Candace Patton and um, how much she changed the DC universe. You know, we love her and we stand her. And we're going to be really extra standing in this episode. Um, so, yes, exciting. We've been planning for a while. Um, so uh, we are the CW Spiral. I'm Sabrina. I'm Michael. And I'm Reed. Bye, y'all. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.